are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locks on Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always wonderful and charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design for today's show. We got a jam-packed show. As always, we're discussing Merrill Kelly's start on Sunday, Zach Allen's start on Saturday, and then we got Merrill Kelly possible trade destinations in segment three. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or look up Locked on Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And remember, it's MLB draft season, and the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast is covering every future star of the MLB. Host Arm Layton brings you player interviews and farm system breakdowns every day. Subscribe to Locked On MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. A jump right into the pod. Welcome back to Spotify Green Room, hosted by Locked On Diamondbacks. Host me, Miller Thomas, here to talk to you guys about the D-backs series loss to the Chicago Cubs. Uh, the series wasn't too bad for the D-backs. Of course, they lost the series, but I don't think they looked that bad as a team, especially their pitching. I guess their offense uh, didn't look great this series, but their pitching was what really stood out from this series. I mean, you got Madison Bumgarner and Zach Allen coming back in back-to-back days, and they both lived up to expectations. And then you had Merrill Kelly continuing to be a beast and I want to talk about today's game with Merrill Kelly and I want to talk about Saturday's game with Zach Allen before talking about uh before talking about possible trade destinations for Merrill Kelly and this is not something that's being reported these are just trade destinations that I came up with through my own research of teams I think could be in need of Merrill Kelly's services uh so Before we get to Merrill Kelly's trade destinations, let's first start off with tonight's D-backs game and work backwards because Merrill Kelly was a beast today on the mound. No uh, No doubt about it, Merrill Kelly has been locked in recently, specifically over his last six starts. I'll give you the numbers later in the podcast. Oh, we got JT in the Spotify green room. Don't even know how he found the Spotify green room. JT, we are trying to do a solo podcast today, but Merrill Kelly has been on on an absolute tear, and today he continued that tear for the D-backs, getting the team a dub today uh, at home at Chase Field. Uh, See ya, JT, he posted in the chat. I'll see you later too, sir. Uh, Merrill Kelly absolutely locked in on the mound today. He went eight innings, and it looked like he had the potential to pitch a complete game, but he did give up a couple runs in the ninth 
inning. Uh, technically, he gave up one earned run. He gave up two earned runs, but one was only when he was on the mound. The second one was courtesy of him when the relief pitcher came in. Uh, so still a great overall day by Merrill Kelly. It was absolutely cruising tonight working quickly and efficiently uh, through his start, not using a lot of pitches to get through his start. Uh, he was on pace for the first D-backs nine-inning complete game since 2018 and possibly the fewest pitches for a complete game in D-backs history. He threw, 80, he threw 82 pitches in eight-plus innings before getting pulled today, and after eight innings of work, he only threw 75 pitches, the lowest eight-inning total for a pitcher since Kyle Kendrick's 71 on May 3rd. 2019 so Merrill Kelly working super duper efficiently today and if you look at his pitching breakdown from today's game Merrill Kelly threw mostly sinkers and mostly change-ups today a uh, 29% of the time he threw a sinker 28% of the time he threw a change-up if you want to go with a little bit more speed a little bit more heat he elected to use that cutter which he used 21% of the time he only threw eight fastballs today and his fastball uh, velocity wasn't too bad sat at 91.9 miles per hour but when you have a sinker sitting at 91.2 and a cutter at 9 90.8 on the day. Uh, you don't really need to use that fastball too much because that cutter is going to give you more side to side action and that sinker is going to be hard and down. So those two are better complementary pitches and then you could get a batter off balance with that changeup. So Merrill Kelly was definitely switching it up, keeping these Cubs hitters at bay, keeping them off balance. And it was just a really impressive start by him today. But what wasn't impressive by what wasn't impressive by this D-backs team? was their offense. They had so many opportunities that they blew today. They were 3 for 14 with runners in scoring position. At one time, they had inning after inning with the bases loaded, and they struggled to come through. Paven Smith came through one time with the bases loaded, no outs with a single, and then you had a a, a pop-up, I believe, after that with Varsho and then a double play. Like, just things that can't happen. Every time the D-backs had bases loaded today, it felt like they could never come through. And when you're when your pitching is locked in like they were today, Saturday night, Friday night, you need your team to come through and give you those easy scoring opportunities, especially with the bases loaded, especially with the bases loaded with one out or fewer. Those are easy opportunities for a major league team, and this offense was not able to capitalize. Now, they did win the game. They were still able to put up six runs, but this should have been a 12-run ball game. This should have been an absolute blowout by the D-backs tonight. They're, the starting pitching for the Cubs gave the D-backs multiple opportunities. Their bullpen at the end of the game could not keep the D-backs bats off the ball. They were squaring up everything it seemed like, and it didn't amount to enough runs of what that it didn't amount to enough runs that should have been on the scoreboard. We still got six runs on the scoreboard, but there should have been more than that tonight. And the other positive outside this game, because yes, we talked about Merrill Kelly being a positive. We talked about the offense being a negative, despite putting up six runs because they did leave 11 men on base. The other positive was Cole Calhoun coming back from injury. Looked good today. One for five was out there. He was solid offensively, but he really looked good defensively in case you guys didn't see. Go on the Diamondbacks Twitter because Cole Calhoun had... An amazing full-out extension to rob the Cubs of a uh, of a surefire base hit. I mean, 
they they posted a picture of the D-backs Twitter did. He was basically completely vertical to the ground, looking like he was doing the Soldier Boy Superman on them. And it, it was just a phenomenal play by Cole Calhoun, who's coming back off injury. It's the kind of play where it, when you do spend a lot of time on the injured list, maybe you don't make that kind of play because in the back of your mind, you're scared you might go back on the injured list. But Cole Calhoun, no regard for his body, not worried, not scared, made the full out play, made the full out dive. And it was definitely worthy of a Sports Center top 10 play. I mean, that better be in top five tonight when I turn on Sports Center. So, D-backs get the win today on the backs of Merrill Kelly. Efficient pitching uh, was absolutely shutting guys down early in this ballgame, especially the first turn through this ballgame. Merrill Kelly was absolutely cruising. The D-backs were able to put a lot of men on base today, but not enough of them came home. And then great defensive play by Cole Calhoun that basically wraps up this game and wrapped up the series. I'll get into that start about Zach Allen, but did you know Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action? Baseball season is in full swing and can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the games as team prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locks on. get back to the pod but now i want to talk about saturday night's game because i think saturday night's game was pretty interesting as well because you had the man the boy back on the mound and that is zach gallon i absolutely love zach gallon because he gives you a a false sense of hope i guess you can say is that the right thing to say i don't know but he gives me a sense of hope that when he's on the mound that the d-backs are going to win tonight i don't care what their circumstances are i don't care what the d-backs record is i don't care who's in the lineup if gallon is on the mound i believe the d-backs have a chance of winning and the way he pitched on saturday night the d-backs probably should have won that game he put them in position to win that game. He went five and two-thirds innings. He gave up one earned run, two walks, and struck out seven. Gallon looked absolutely locked in. And there were still a few pitches that might have not shown the full crispness of a healthy Zach Gallon that might have still been like, hey, uh, a fully healthy, a 2019 to 2020 Zach Gallon makes that pitch right there and strikes out the batter. But still, you couldn't argue with the results on Saturday night because he was, he was still able to get seven punch outs. Uh, there was a little streak in that game where I think he put down seven or more batters in a row. And Gallon was effective with that fastball his fastball velocity was lower in this game compared to other games because actually on the season uh, he has a pretty high fastball average in terms of velocity on the season actually better than his previous years it's sitting at 93.8 miles per hour but on saturday night only sat at 92.7 miles per hour but it was still effective he still threw it 51 percent of the times and it was his go-to pitch saturday night and he was using it to 
basically cut through that Chicago Cubs lineup, and he looked great out there on the mountain. I thought he was really good working the outside to opposing batters, hitting those corners on the outside, especially low and away. I thought he was really just diming up the corners and had really strong location on a lot of uh, on a lot of his pitches on Saturday night and I wanted him to be rewarded with a W. Massive Bumgarner got gypped on Friday night out of a dub. Massive Bumgarner looked great on Friday night. He looked like the Madison Bumgarner who we paid for and the Madison Bumgarner who had that five game streak, historic streak where he looked like arguably the best pitcher in baseball for a five start span and Gallon came back and looked like he was right back in his normal Gallon form, at least 95% of normal Gallon. Uh, I don't think we've seen a lot of great Gallon in a lot of these starts this year, but I thought that was a pretty great start by Gallon on Saturday night. And he still only threw 77 pitches. Hey, the, the the game brought his ERA down to a 3.86 ERA, so that, that's going to look nice as we get closer to the end of the season. If his ERA keeps dropping, if he ends with a 2.9, a 3.2, I think it's still going to be considered a good season by Gallon. It's going to be a, a season where we said, hey, this wasn't even the best Gallon. He seemed to be up and down a lot of the starts, and he still finished with a 3-2 ERA. That just lets you know how much talent this guy has. But he was let down, not only by the offense, because, of course, the offense always lets down this D-backs team. Tonight, I guess they didn't, but Saturday night only scored two runs. One for seven, one for seven runners in scoring position, just not good enough. But what really hurt the D-backs Saturday night was the bullpen, specifically Joaquin Soria. Soria was supposed to be a guy to solidify that closer position. This is a guy with a ton of closing experience in his career. Uh, he's been a closer for most of his career. He was a closer pretty much last year with the Oakland A's as well. He didn't have a ton of saves under his belt. He only had uh, two saves under his belt last year. He only finished four games, so he wasn't like the everyday closer for the Oakland A's, but the previous season in 2019, he had 21 saves. His 420, or excuse me, he didn't have 21 saves in 2019. That was games finished. He only had one save in 2019, but he finished 21 games for the Oakland A's in 2019. And for his career, he has 200 126 saves almost said 424 but still I was looking at games finished so he's got 226 saves for his career so this is a guy who's been a stud closer throughout his career he is a two-time all-star he does have a career 308 ERA now he is 37 years old which probably pay, plays a factor for how old he is but I, I don't think it, there, I, I think there's definitely correlation to guys coming over to the D-backs and just not performing up to expectation levels. I don't know what the D-backs are doing to these players, but I was getting into it on Twitter. Not really from my end, but someone was coming after me on Twitter because I said a big reason why Robbie Ray was doing better this season is because he got out of Arizona and the change of scenery. I felt like his confidence was shot here, but Someone replied and said, no, the real reason why Robbie Ray got better is because the D-backs changes his delivery for no reason during the offseason. And that's been a big contribution to why he wasn't as good as he previously was the last couple seasons. So what did the Blue Jays do? They changed his delivery back to his original delivery. Now you're seeing the original results by Robbie Ray when he first broke into the big leagues in the D-backs uniform. So the Blue Jays... All they did was 
let Robbie Ray go back to being Robbie Ray, the original Robbie Ray. The D-backs tried to change him, and it didn't work out. We've seen that before in pitchers. The, D, the, the Red Sox tried to change Daniel Bard, and he was out of Major League Baseball for like seven years because of it. Sometimes you just have to let these pitchers go with their funky deliveries. If it works, if it's effective, if they're getting the results, that all that, that's all that matters. I'm scared that the D-backs are keep tweaking Luke Weaver too much and making him think that he needs a third or fourth pitch. Or maybe they're telling him he doesn't need a third or fourth pitch. I don't know what they're telling Luke Weaver, but it seems like Luke Weaver's always changing up uh, his delivery, always trying to work on new pitches, always trying to change his mechanics. He always seems to be working on something. And we're never getting the results we want from a Luke Weaver. So I don't know if that's an organizational thing, developmental thing, a coaching thing. I don't know who's getting in these guys' ears or making them change their original stances, mechanics, delivery, yada, yada. But it never seems to work out for these D-backs players. A lot of these guys come to the D-backs and they start to perform worse than what we expected. That's not all players, but a lot of these D-backs players don't develop the way we want them to. Look at uh, adult and Varsho, Berskakis. Corbin Martin, so far these young guys have not lived up to any expectations. The guys who've done better are the guys like a Paven Smith or a Josh Rojas. And are you really happy with a Paven Smith development? We've wanted him to put on power. And I don't think he needs the power per se, but it's not like he has really developed it. Have the D-backs been trying to help him develop power? I'm not too sure, but it's not like... He's starting to develop power or starting to show flashes of developing power. Paven Smith still needs to be a contact machine. So for the D-backs, there's something going up with the. There's something going on when it comes to developing their players that they're just not getting enough out of their players. They're, They're telling them the wrong information. I don't know what it is, but it seems to not be helping their players. But I, that was a really long tangent, but back to the game. D-backs, bullpen, blows it. Joaquin Soria, after being up with two outs in the ninth inning, gives up a double, a single, and then gives up the go-ahead three-run bomb to Wilson Contreras and absolutely screws the D-backs out of a win, a potential series win as well. So bad, bad offense, bad, bad bullpen by the D-backs Saturday night to not help out the boy Zach Gallen. I'll wrap up the pod with potential Merrill Kelly trade destinations, but did you know Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? They got coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. There's a flavor for everyone. And the reason why I love Bilt Bars because I'm a health conscious guy. I try to work out every day, but... I have a sweet tooth and Bilt Bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, but it's high in protein and it's high in fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. Bilt Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So if you want to be like U.S. track and field, go to Bilt.com, use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. Let's wrap up the pod. Now, we still got a few more minutes on this locker room, about 10 minutes left. And I want to talk a little Merrill Kelly because Merrill Kelly is a guy who I think can definitely be on the radar for a lot of these MLB contenders 
playoff contenders, World Series contenders. I think Merrill Kelly is a good guy to add to your rotation. I don't think he's a super game changer. I don't think he's tilting the balance of the playoffs. But for teams who need rotation depth, for teams who have injuries in their rotation, Merrill Kelly's your perfect guy. Not only has he been locked in over his last six starts because Merrill Kelly in his last six starts, 4-0 record, 38 and two-thirds innings pitch, a 2-5-6 ERA, 0.931 whip, 27 strikeouts to three walks. He's been absolutely dominant during his last six starts. And Merrill Kelly is a guy who you can plug in as your number four five starter in your rotation. He's a guy who is the definition of an innings eater. Even earlier in the season when he was struggling heavily, he was still able to go five and two thirds, six innings, even pitch into the seventh. And it didn't matter how many earned runs he gave up. He was able to give up four or five earned runs in a game and still pitch deep into that ball game and really help out your bullpen. I think that's a real positive for your team. For these playoff teams, you don't want a worn out bullpen by the time you get to a postseason. And Merrill Kelly, whether he's pitching well or pitching poorly, he's a guy that can still go deep into that ball game. And on the season, Merrill Kelly's numbers have been picking up. We said over the last six starts how good he's been. A, a 2 5 6 ERA during that time span. But on the season now, his ERA is a 4 4 6 ERA. So definitely right in line with being a back end rotation guy. So I got three teams that I think should be in the need or should be wanting to make a deal with the Arizona Dimebacks to get a Merrill Kelly because I think he can help out their rotation. And the first team I want to start off with is the Boston Red Sox. This team is first place in the AL East. We know they have a dominant offense, but their pitching still has a lot of question marks. They got a Chris Sale coming back. Nathan Avaldi was an all-star this year, but after that, Nick Bavetta, how much do you really trust him? I love Eduardo Rodriguez, but he hasn't been that great this season. He's coming back after dealing with post-COVID complications. Garrett Richards, I'm out on. Martin Perez, he's like a Merrill Kelly, basically. So you throw Merrill Kelly in that mix, I think he's better than a Garrett Richards. I think he's probably just as good as a Nick Pavetta, and I think he's probably more reliable than those guys. I think he can definitely go deeper into a ball game as well. Merrill Kelly on the air has 109 innings pitched. The only guy on the Red Sox staff with more is nobody. Merrill Kelly would have more innings pitched than even their all-star Nathan Navaldi. So that lets you know how durable Merrill Kelly has been this season and how much of an innings eater he actually is. So I'm putting down the Red Sox as the first team that should be looking out for Merrill Kelly in the MLB trade deadline sweepstakes because I think he could help out that rotation. I, he's probably just as good as a couple of those guys, but he, none, none of those guys in the deep, in the Red Sox rotation is going as deep into the ballgame and saving your bullpen for the postseason like a Merrill Kelly. Now, the second team that I think should be on the lookout for Merrill Kelly that should want to acquire him is the New York Mets. And this is a team that I believe is in first place in the NL East as of, stunned, uh, as of Sunday. Let me see. NL East standings. Uh, yes, the Mets are in first place only by a couple games over the Phillies. They're about six games above 500, but the Mets right now, they put DeGrom on the injured list today. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, we still haven't seen back yet. Noah Syndergaard, we're expecting back. David Peterson's on the IL. Joey LaCasey is on the IL. So this is a team with four or five starting rotation members on the injured list. Right now, Marcus Stroman, Taiwan Walker are really their only two healthy rotation members. So what does that mean? 
go get you a Merrill Kelly to solidify the back end of your rotation. He's a guy that can be that Mets number four starter. He can be a guy to help that Mets bullpen out. And the Mets have a pretty solid bullpen. Edwin Diaz has been all right, but Miguel Castro, Aaron Loop, Trevor May, uh, they got some solid rotation guys that Merrill Kelly could help build a bridge to that bullpen uh, from that rotation. So I I think he will be good in that starting rotation for the New York Mets. And guess what? No one in that Mets rotation has 109 innings pitched like Merrill Kelly. So once again, if he goes to the New York Mets, he would be the biggest innings eater that that team has. And that is a skill that is coveted in baseball. Not everyone can be a 200 innings guy. And Merrill Kelly seems like a guy who, despite having a ERA in the mid fours, is going to pitch around 200 innings this season uh, in a season where... Let me let me take my time. In a season where teams don't want their pitchers to go deep into ball games, because after 2020, a lot of these managers don't believe their pitchers have the arm strength to pitch deep into ball games. But Merrill Kelly has said f that to that notion to that theory, and he's been able to go deep into ball games. Now, the last team that I think should be all in on Merrill Kelly this season is the New York Yankees. The Yankees. I've had a tough time this season. They are they have been struggling all year and they have a rotation that is just not deep after Garrett Cole. After Garrett Cole, a lot of question marks. Corey Kluber is pretty good this season, but he's on the injury list right now. Montgomery, Tylon, Herman, all those three, all three of those guys haven't been that great this season. Montgomery's been the best of that bunch, but Tylon and Herman. Maybe it's Talon. I think I'm saying his name wrong. Talon and Herman both haven't been good this season. Merrill Kelly's been better than both of them. And again, outside of Garrett Cole, none of those rotation members have more innings pitch than a Merrill Kelly. So Merrill Kelly is going to be so important to this deadline because you're going to look at his peripheral numbers. You're going to say, all right, he's having a solid season. He definitely fits the makeup of number four or five starter. But when you look at those innings pitch, it raises the value of a Merrill Kelly. I don't know what the D-backs could get back in return for him, but they get a a mid-level prospect, a guy who's ranked between 12 and 15 in someone's organization. I think that would be a great haul for the D-backs. Maybe they could get two guys. And I think Merrill Kelly is going to be a guy that could not tilt the balance of power in Major League Baseball, but someone that can definitely help out one of these contenders post-trade deadline. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diebacks podcast. Remember, betting on the D-backs doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's the lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. And as always, come back tomorrow for that part four with JT Shorter the second, uh, discussing MLB midseason awards, or at least predicting who's gonna win the who's going to win the awards at the end of the MLB season. So you're gonna want to stay tuned and come back for that tomorrow. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces.